Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the king of the gabagool himself. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Uh, it's coming. Oh. I can't wait till we can talk about that. <laughs> we have we, we wait. Someone your age, like like ten years younger than me. Yeah. What was the Sopranos to you? Like, was it was it culturally relevant at the time it was out for someone your age? Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it was present. I just know that uh, my, my mom had a friend, and her husband was an extra on the Sopranos, so maybe I was a little bit uh, open to, to it, like like ahead of time but no i mean it's always kind of uh for the most of my life being aware of culture i mean it's been there what started in 99 i was six years old yeah i mean so so like it's really been part of the culture like like i don't know the world pre-hbo which is pretty crazy oh yeah like i had to go back and watch like the larry sanders show which is like one of my favorites and 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 all of that stuff like that so pre-hbo interesting thing it is. It's it's funny to think like the I think now a lot, especially my kids, like the idea that they, they don't even understand anything but on demand television. Right. You know, this idea that like my mom used to order the TV guide, you know, used to come to the house every week and she would highlight like the show she wanted to watch at like what time. So you made sure you didn't miss them. Or the idea that even before like the VHS and bringing things home, like you literally didn't watch a movie twice. Yeah. And we are from the generation where people like literally create entire syntaxes between (laughs) friend groups based on quoting films. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's entire uh, cultural uh, backbones of friend units built (laughs) on the, on like dumb and dumber and stepbrothers and like shit like that. And that didn't even exist until pre VHS. It's, wild to think and now my kids are like wait i can't watch this exact episode of this show and i'm like yo i used to have to like wait till tuesday at 3 30 <laughs> and sit there for 30 minutes or i missed it and never saw it again like relax you know you know what's wild when they first started making vhs's and and the whole at-home thing the studios wanted to charge people a hundred dollars of videotape. Isn't that wild? And then like, you know, obviously like the whole blockbuster thing happens and right. like everything goes way down. But is there any movie that you'd pay a hundred dollars for <laughs> to own it at home yeah, and watch yeah, it more than yeah, once? Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. Especially if I couldn't like, like say if Anchorman wasn't available to me Ooh. and the only way I could watch it again was by <laughs> buying this $100 copy. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, I would buy that. But it's also the way I could tell you a story about that. I remember I worked at a Hollywood video. I don't know if you know this about me. So I worked at a chain VHS store. And uh, at the time, I had a friend who was dealing drugs to one of my managers. (laughs) So he sort of had carte blanche, you know, (laughs) he got all the rentals he wanted. Didn't matter how late they were. Now, where but did that ran- go down on on like the snacks? Was there free game on the snacks too? We didn't really have great snacks. Okay. Okay. Couple couple things in front, yeah. but yeah, it wasn't like blockbuster. Like I'm all of a sudden I'm in like a supermarket style. <laughs> and this kid, uh, you know, in a drunken evening, had taken our copy of the movie Hackers. I don't know if you know this film. I've kind of an un- cult movie of right. the '90s. Young Angelina Jolie, Matthew Lillard. And he left it at someone's house in like Edison, New Jersey. And I was like, dude, they won't care. Who cares? 
And I tell my manager and he looks it up. He's like, dude, you got to get that video back. And I'm like, why? He's like, the copy of that video for the store is $400. And I'm like, what? And it turns out like the reason you have like one copy of those really, you know, culty indie movies at VHS stores was because they, you know, they kind of uh, coned, coned the value of it towards the top. So I remember he had to like <laughs> drive to Woodbridge and like knock on someone's door of a house like he randomly partied at to try to get the copy of this video back. <laughs> but the value is pretty crazy in those days. That's so funny. That's yeah, no, it, it's absolutely crazy. But man, what's up with you? How's your week been going? Oh, it's great. It's yeah? great. I really want to talk to you about this day in music history. Oh, I love it. We will get there because guess what, Benny? Today I'm choosing optimism in the face of sadness. So let's get oh. into one of my favorite segments of the show. Let's get into this day in music history. So this this probably wouldn't seem too important, but it has it has a long trail here. On this day in 1990, Tesla, not the uh, car company, the band, oh. records their album Five Man Acoustical Jam and their cover of Signs, which becomes a surprise hit and kind of catalyzes this like acoustic rock trend. And it turns uh, into kind of like the movement that started MTV Unplugged, Mm. which led to, you know, some of the more iconic uh, and important uh, sessions that people got, you know, particularly like the one with Nirvana, maybe Alice in Chains. He's really cultural relevant bands that stripped away the electric and did that this tesla record was a big reason a lot of that happened um something cool i hadn't realized about it was it was recorded at the truck in philly Mm. trocadero theater and uh the original of course was the five-man electrical band recorded in 1971 (laughs) but i wonder too about this not only unplugged how much of that troubadour era of like singer songwriter stuff that we just recently had wasn't still a fallout of like people my age going through this trend and kind of growing up in the early nineties with this strip back thing. I think before that it was probably looked at in a different way. It was sort of this, Oh, maybe the singer will go out there and do a song or two in the, the middle of a three hour set by himself. But if you were like going acoustic, you were going acoustic. You were off on your own now and you didn't have a band. And somewhere around this time, it kind of switched where you could maybe have both and dabble in and out. So uh, I think the Tesla record is is extremely important. That's why I brought it up for this day. And a great fucking song. I loved it. Yeah. No, that's super interesting because so this is funny. Like, you know, as, you, as anyone that listens to this can probably guess, I'm a sucker for acoustic music all up in there. But I just have this distinct memory, and this is a complete non sequitur here, of seeing a ad for Bruce Springsteen unplug coming in like the winter when they play like the smaller stuff and stuff like that. And my mom just being like, oh, acoustic shows are never as good as the real thing. Yeah, see? <laughs> it, that used to be the thing. It's true. That used to be the thing. I think it was when like, it was like when people gave up, it used to be, you know? <laughs> that may also, not to do a major callback on, on this show, the singer-songwriters of the 60s, you know, everything is cyclical here, Benny. 
in music, yeah. you know? You, you never That's know. That's true. That's true. Speaking of great songwriters, on this day in 2001, Liverpool Airport was renamed John Lennon Airport. Yeah. Uh, Yoko Ono was present to, at the uh, unveiling of the new logo. That included a, the Beatles' famous self-portrait and the words, Above Us Only Sky, taken from the Imagine album. But, Benny, I got to ask you this question in relation to my This Day in Music history. Is having an airport named after you worth it or a good thing? Because I think it's kind of trash. You know what? I got to say, of all the things you could get named after you, yeah, got to be up there. Mm. Right? Like, like it's better than uh, like a street in Liverpool. Yeah. Right? It's better than like a bridge in Liverpool or something like that. It's the fucking airport. It's like the like one of the cogs of that city. And the idea that like you would have to fly from another place and be like, oh, where are you landing? Oh, I'm landing at, at Lennon, at John Lennon. Like, I don't know. I kind of love it. So I think uh, besides for having like, you know, a great library or, uh, you know, something like that or a museum or, you know, the wing of a academic <laughs> institution. I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's not like they fall down a lot or something like airport in Liverpool. Probably going to be there for a while. I like it, actually. Oh, OK. OK. And, you know, I'm betting I'm, I'm trying to stick with the optimism today. I'm, I really am because I need all of it in light of the Bucks situation. So I'm trying to bring all the positivity I can. But I sure. just feel like if someone's like, oh, Jay, like, oh, like LaGuardia, it's so shitty or like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Like uh, John Wayne Airport, oh fucking sucks! Like there, so I feel like that's a common yeah. sentiment. Well, it does now open the opportunity to be like, dude, I had the worst burrito and took the nastiest <laughs> shit in John Lennon. Which yeah, it's a strange sentence. <laughs> All right, Benny. First headline today. Oh, we have a New Jersey. St- story to discuss that is maybe one of the best ones we're going to do all year. The trailer Please. for The Many Saints of Newark is out, the Sopranos prequel that's coming out this fall. The film will follow a young Tony Soprano as he enters the family business. Uh, the clip offers a look into Michael Gandolfini portraying the young version of his father, of obviously the late great James Gandolfini, as a teenager. Uh, he looks great. Fits in the role, has the attitude, mm-hmm. everything, and stuff like that. Um, the the clip itself goes on to prevent Tony as a highly intelligent kid with natural leadership skills, but absolutely zero interest in skill in in school. Rather, uh, instead, he's taken under his win by Dicky Malasante. Um, which, by the way, there's a great connection that I hope we can share about the Malasante family to uh, our own Benny Horowitz. <laughs> That's a tease. Um, anyway, Dickie Malasante introduces him to the organized world of crime in Newark in 1967. Uh, and what happens there, it's at the pivotal moment of civil rights and the DeMeo crime family's grip on what's happening across the wa- water. So, Benny, this clip came out. I tweeted it out to the tune-up audience. Do your homework for the show. What do you make of this? I mean, all right. It's, it's, it's multi-tiered. Yeah. Now... You're asking someone my age from New Jersey to say if they're excited about the Tony Soprano prequel. Yeah, fucking of course I am. <laughs> I would see it if this if it looked like shit. Yeah, same. I would I would see it. I would watch it just like I watched Zoolander 2 out of respect. <laughs> I would just watch it out of respect for my people, you know? Um so yeah, like of course I'm going to see it. Of course I'm excited. 
I have a lot of faith in David Chase and the way he has produced things over the years and made things over the years. So I'm uh, optimistic about the quality. Um, I'm optimistic about the story. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing I have a question mark on is like, how's it going to play out acting wise? I think even the Sopranos like sometimes dance the line of, you know, kitschy, real, real Newark guy to like, okay, we actually need to like act a little bit here. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, you could run into those just because it's Gandolfini's kid doesn't mean he's a great actor. You know what I mean? Mm. Like my dad has a doctorate in psychology. (laughs) So, you know, we're not all the same. Uh, and uh, wait, I thought that's why we did this podcast. I thought you were yeah, supposed to be my third. Can you guys start calling me Doc? Doc, start calling me Doc. I like that. Um, but no, I'm uh, I'm really excited about, it, especially the story. I love the way, yeah, they're um, portraying Christopher's father, Uncle Junie, mm-hmm. seeing all these people young and seeing them come up. I also, I, I hope they lay it out in the way where, like, you know, one of the things that made The Sopranos great. And one of the things that made the Tony Soprano character himself so iconic was that you're watching this guy be the biggest piece of shit, mm-hmm. murder, you know, uh, cheating on his wife, disrespect to everyone, you know what I mean? Besides for the very close unit. And you're still rooting for him like almost all the time. And part of that is the genius in leaving his therapy in there and him opening the doors to like, what you can assume was not that person. They they give you these windows and they're small windows. That's where the Sopranos is smart. It's these little breaks in character, these little uh, mo- moments of vulnerability that are quickly filled up again with Tony Soprano. And it's like, if you portray this in the right way, it could really make that more effective. Mm. You know, where you are seeing like, yeah, yeah, a kid who came up a certain way, obviously has a certain personality and is kind of made for the thing, but there was a choice at some point, you know, and, and there was uh, other people and older people bringing him into it and not forcing, but, you know, coercing. So I think that could lend a lot of uh, credence to like the humanity of Tony Soprano, even when you get to the older character, that is if you don't fuck it up. That's true. Now, Benny, you talked about the acting here. They, they've David Chase got everybody out on this one. We have Leslie Odom Jr. in this, straight off of Hamilton and One Night in Miami, great film that we talked about on here. Corey Stoll's in here because if there's a thing set in New York, New Jersey during this time uh, <laughs> that, that that's coming out, Corey Stoll has been in it, uh, fresh off Billions and stuff like that. So Corey Stoll, great addition. And then, of course, can you do a mob movie or anything without Ray Liotta? I don't think you can. Not these days. And when he's sitting there, be like, stay away from, stay out of the kid's life. I mean, you're just like chills. Like, it's, it's, it's everything I was, you want. Yeah. I was scared of Ray Liotta back when he made Copland. <laughs> now he looks like this. I'm terrified of Ray Liotta. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then and, and then the woman that plays his mother. In yeah, this perfect. Oh, looks I talk about marrying your mother, right? Oh, right. Exactly. Exactly. That, I mean, that was the yeah, theme of the show. That is, <laughs> that is Edie Falco, too. That was a perfect cast when I saw oh, that man. character. I'm like, oh, shit. But that's is some, there, uh, that's the Freudian, uh, Freudian nature. Oh, play it it works so well. But is there anything that you're most excited about from this? I guess like the the usual, just like 
like that scene where you see like five almost teenagers walking away and you kind of think that you're maybe seeing the beginning of Tony and his people, yeah. Tony and Paulie, Tony and Pussy, the crew. <laughs> That's probably what I'm most excited for. Like, you know, because at this point, it's like the same love you would have for a band. I know it's bizarre, <laughs> right. but it's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm dying to see it, you know? Now, what I'm interested in is the soundtrack. You know, Sopranos had good sure. music in it. Yeah. And, uh, Benny, do you think we're going to get any uh, Zopa tracks? In, 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 in <laughs> he might have got himself in there. I don't know. But, I uh, hope so, for Mount Crushmore Records' sake. And I think that we should probably explain that. So, Michael Imperioli is on the same record label as our drummer in residence over here, Benny Horowitz. That's right. Uh, Michael That's Imperioli right. in the band Zopa. On friend of show Jared Hart's Mount Crushmore Records, that's right, incredible. So I, so I am now, I am now label mates with Christopher Moltisanti, <laughs> and uh, hope I could put in a call if I need to. No, I got to try real hard because, like, I got to assume this guy walks out in the streets every day, and people only see him as Christopher. Yeah, you know. So if I ever meet this dude. I'm on my best behavior. That's Michael. Michael, I'm talking course. about acting. I'm talking about his music. I'm not bringing up Chris. You know, it's almost distracting if you're like in like my age to like your age, and you watch Goodfellas for the first time after seeing Sopranos, <laughs> right. and you're like, "Wait a minute, what in the heck's going on here?" I thought you said you're doing a good job, Spider. <laughs> you stuttering prick. By the way, Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci, shout out to Monmouth County's own, still lives What if there. I did that to you when you did like a bad transition or something? Oh. Every time you were like, no, that wasn't a good one. And I just went, you stuttering Benny, prick. you don't have to because you want to know why. I, I, I have to edit this damn thing. And I feel that every time I edit, I'm like, you stuttering prick every time. Oh, <laughs> come on. This is the optimism Op- episode. Optimism, optimism, bucks and six, bucks and six. All right. <laughs> uh, well, let's get to the business end of things here. And I do mean that quite literally. Benny, let's pull one out for the NCAA, shall we? Uh, for the first time this past week, more than 4,800 athletes across the country that play division, uh, the, that play in all divisions of collegiate sports will be able to profit off their name, image, likeness without losing their eligibility. I bet you Reggie Bush is so mad today. He's like, man, 10 years later, and I would have been the king of Los Angeles. Um, athletes will be able to take sponsorship deals, uh, be featured in products and advertisements, and use their name or personal appearance to promote the sale of products according to the NCAA. I'm here for this, Benny, but I feel like we're entering a whole new sphere, and I'm not sure. It, it, like, There's, there's going to be a lot of positive, but I think there's going to be a lot of negative with the, the NCAA's new ruling. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, I mean, anybody who's listened to this or you know, like, you know where I stand on yeah. this. I've talked about it many times. It's about fucking time. It's been ridiculous. I figured this was a scam when I used to play uh, EA Sports NCAA college football. And I'm like, wait, why are they using their numbers, their face, their body type, every one of their attributes, but just not their name? I'm like, oh, that makes it legal? I was like 18 and I knew this was horseshit. Um, So I'm really glad that it's happened. Uh, I think it actually... For the, you know, um, 
the way things kind of move in this country with big business and stuff like that, I'm actually sort of relieved at the speed in which this got serious and it happened. Because mm-hmm. if you asked me two years ago, I would have said college sports was still really far away from this. Yeah. And if you asked me a year ago, I would have told you, eh, I think it's coming. You know, so I think there has been a lot of progress recently. Mm. As you said, there will definitely be initial murkiness, um, particularly with one aspect where there are really only about 12 states that have laws in effect that dictate how college athletes can profit from their NIL, their name, image, likeness. So the NCAA has instructed uh, particular schools and states that don't have a law to craft their own policies based on fairly loose guidelines. So I think the fact that this is going state to state, school for school is tricky. And I also think it's going to give some schools the opportunity to offer more or say they can offer more or offer more connections to things. And then you're going to have sort of a very pro sports scenario. So that part of it needs to get wrapped up. And I would actually love to see maybe like a national guideline for that to kind of tie up that loose end. But you know who I love this for the most, Denny? There's a certain type of athlete I love this for. And I have a hypothetical laid out for you. Okay. Lay it on me. Say say you're a Northern Iowan track star. Mm -hmm. You're the best the school has had in decades. You win every competition in Iowa, you're a legend on campus, but you fall short of like Olympic track star level. Someone in town owns a car dealership. They ran track in the 70s. They're a big fan. All of a sudden, someone who's living who's living on ramen is for a short time the spokesperson for this auto trader in northern Iowa for a couple years while they're like 20 21, 22 years old, adults who are finishing up school, who are about to take on another career, most likely. And all of a sudden, they got a little extra bread in their pocket, or who knows what it becomes. Maybe they became a spokesperson for this. Maybe they own the business. It's literally opening business doors for grown adults who deserve them. So for this type of athlete, I'm actually really relieved and I'm actually, I think it'll be really cool to see what could happen. You know, maybe some of my favorite Rutgers men's mm-hmm. basketball stars will be on TV hawking an ad for like grease trucks or like Jimmy's <laughs> or, you know, Fat Vinny's downtown or something. Fucking, it's awesome. <laughs> Let the guys, maybe all they get is free pizza for life while yeah. they're in town. Who gives a <laughs> shit? They deserve it. And yeah. it's awesome. I love this for the D1 athletes and or really any athletes that uh, that are content creators and have amassed any right. sort of following on TikTok, yeah, Instagram, yeah. YouTube. Because I don't know if you remember the UCF kicker that got kicked off the team because uh, he was monetizing his, his YouTube channel that was following their undefeated season. So right. things like that that you can do, um, I really think that that's, that, that's, that that's great. My only question here is... I feel like we're going to reach an, an interesting line with now sports gambling is legal. Uh, you already see uh, places kind of lining up to like circle that uh, those athletes and kind of lock in here. So 
I'm super curious with with you know places like DraftKings that are giving content creators all of this money. What's going to happen there? Because you can't have someone that's going to be like, hey, gamble on my games. Like, you can't have that. That's true. Um, well, I think, I mean, there's got to be laws in place for the gambling thing, um, I would assume, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean we, we got to look into that. <laughs> someone write us in. But if that's not written into the bylaws of this, then, yeah, you're right. We have a very, very automatic problem. <laughs> All right, Benny, real business-heavy show today. So we're going to switch from the NCAA to the NBA now. Um, And while injuries have made the NBA playoffs feel more like Survivor than an actual basketball tournament, the NBA has cashed in big time during the shortened 72-game season. A sports consulting company, IEG, has a new study out that, that says that the league and its 30 teams have hauled in a record $1.46 billion during the season. That's up 6%. Um, the uptick came during the shortened season, as I said. And we've talked a lot over the past year about the NBA being very altruistic. Um, this past season, not so much. So, Benny, I got to be- yeah. serve up the question to you. Can Should we never talk about a sports league altruistically again? Uh, when at the end of the day, profits for them are all that matter. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go ahead and make a blanket statement like we should never do something again because who knows what happens in the future? Who knows who runs a league and, you know, how it's going to go. But I do think that the NBA in the last two years showed itself, yes, to be one of the more intelligent leagues for being able to pull off what they did, but also the same as everybody else. And especially when it comes to player safety, Um, we're watching the fallout of what the NBA decided to do to the physical nature of these players right now. The fact that we are even getting the finals we're getting is a result of the fact, most likely of the shortened uh, off season and the elongated regular season that they tried to put in. And they only put it in because they needed 72 games to fulfill minimum TV deals and get this thing rolling again. So to answer the first part of your question, I do think that the NBA showed itself. It exposed Mm -hmm. itself as what it is, which is a giant, 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 giant corporation who has a bottom line and is totally suckling at the teat of its sponsors and owners, just like any other league. Um, now, in the spirit of optimism, optimism. Since this is the optimism episode. <laughs> I'd also like to give a little credit to the young stars of the league and kind of solidifying and re-solidifying a lot of different markets. I do think the NBA has taken steps in the last couple of years to increase parity in the league, you know, through uh, fucking with the lottery again, doing things to the caps like they're trying and there are less weak spots and maybe that league actually is getting better at parity. This playoffs is kind of a testament to that. So, you know, part of the success is the fact that like you had, uh, I believe 22 teams that were still very much alive, uh, and had at least one star interesting player to watch right up until the end of the season. And that's, the first time since I've maybe ever been an NBA fan that that's the case. So, um, 
maybe some credit to them there in the spirit of our optimism episode. Exactly. And I do think it's noble that corporations are, are, you know, they're having their own pride month. I think that's great, but it's also you wonder when you think about the NFL charging the military for having this own thing. What are the finances behind all of this? Um, So I just think um, we're in an interesting age kind of uh, pushed on us by social media where these companies have to at least perceive like they care about their consumers and it's all happening very quickly i mean the one thing i'd like to think is you know these corporations act in the same way a politician does Mm. they can't go too far away from their constituency Mm -hmm. if they want to stay alive yeah and one of the things that that tells me is the fact that activism or perceived activism is now important enough to enough people who watch these games that the leagues are following suit. So that's one thing that makes me feel better about it is like, you're right. They're not doing uh, pride merchandise unless they know for sure that X percentage of NFL fans is not only okay with this, will purchase it, will purchase more of it, they know this stuff before they even do it. So that's where it's not exactly altruism, but the demand of the people on the outside is what causes that. And that's where I think people, you know, you do still have power. You have spending power, you have viewing power. And if you really think something's bullshit, stop buying and seeing it and they will bend to that. I love it. We as a internet community have made these companies care. We've done what decades of greed has failed right. to do. Power <laughs> to the people. Optimism Same. episode. Um, <laughs> Benny, thank you for bringing up the injuries before you lead me perfectly into my next question. Uh, we lost another, actually two superstars in, since we've done the show last week. Uh, Trey Young had a, had, had a wacky uh, slip on... Uh, on the ref's shoe that caused him to miss, what game was that? Game four. And then Giannis is out for game five. All of these are are not the same kind of injuries that have kept the other guys out. In every injury, there's like a tiny bit of fatigue that goes into things. So um, I'm not going to be the person to put a caveat on this year's title because honestly, I think this year's title is probably going to be one of the harder ones to get. But Mm -hmm. what do you make of uh, the idea that if Atlanta wins a title, that this entire championship season has been devalued. It's a little hard to determine because of like the age of that Atlanta team. Yeah. You know, because you're looking at like budding young superstars mm-hmm. that are also injured. Like that's the thing with Atlanta. It's not like they're running with perfect health here. Like they haven't had DeAndre Hunter for the entire playoffs. They're just getting Cam Reddish back. And now they have these issues with Trey Young. So even if Atlanta gets through, they're getting through banged up and they beat a lot of impressive teams and did most of it on the road. Mm. So I don't think I would take much away from them. But also, you know, sometimes the the tide turns right before your very eyes and you don't know what's going to happen. Who's to say Trey Young and this team aren't legit and they're just here. Mm. And now Atlanta is one of the teams. So that's where uh, I'm going to need like the future to roll out a little more to make my determination on the Hawks. But as far as the injuries go, I mean, I'm no fucking doctor, but I've been watching Giannis drag his ass up and down the court 
the last two games. I almost feel for the guy watching it. You know what I mean? He's he's busting it. He is gassed. And if you tell me a professional athlete weighing in at 270 fucking pounds doesn't risk himself to injury more, you know, when they're totally fucking exhausted playing this game, I think you're lying. I'm not a doctor, but it just seems obvious to me. And with the amount of injuries piling up and the um, frequency and uh, severity of these injuries, eh, it just seems like it's very obvious. You know, for all intents and purposes, this hawks Bucks series should have been awesome. It should have been Trey Young going for 50, Giannis going for a triple-double, and we've kind of been robbed of that. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I just want to go back to another point that you made earlier about you know maybe the tides have turned and we didn't even realize it and i think that's a hundred percent true because you look at phoenix in the bubble they surprised right. a lot of people and, and so here they it are be no surprise this season that they're here uh the hawks kind of same thing um that time when you know um people weren't exactly paying a hundred percent attention to sports um i i think that you know you've had uh, LeBron get older. Granted, he 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 won a championship, but then you have a lot of these younger teams come on up yeah. the ranks, and I think you're seeing that this year. And next year is going to be even crazier because it's it's more wide open than this season even was. If you know things go a certain way, especially the way this draft is going to pan out, where a couple already good teams could get instantly better. Benny, let's get into the the victor of the Western Conference Finals. Your Phoenix Suns are heading to the NBA Finals for the first time in 28 years. For the first time, Chris Paul is making it to the NBA Finals, man. I'm, Love it. Dude, you saw him after they won just absolutely break down. It's incredible. Yeah. And he done it against the Clippers at Staples Center, a place where he played for six years in front of Billy Crystal, who the two are friends. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just like... It is a Billy Crystal movie. What happened last night with Chris yeah. Paul is like what Billy Crystal's next movie is going to be. So what do you make it's of too it? sweet. How much does this add to Chris Paul's legacy that he brought this team to the NBA Finals? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And and you can, you can add me to the list of CP3 doubters. And I think it was fair. Yeah. No, I had eyes and I watched a lot of basketball and I saw a lot of ill-fated games and series decimated by his injuries. And I stopped believing. And I went through this series, excuse me, I went through this season barely noticing he came percentage points away from a 50-40-90 season. Literally dragged DeAndre Ayton out of a potentially mediocre career. Um, I think that's, you know, the things that... The, I, Part of the reason that I think his legacy is cemented is how vocal every one of the players and members of the coaching staff are crediting him almost solely with the success of going from A to B. Yeah. You know, you ask any of these guys, Booker, the coaches, they're all like, oh, yeah, Chris. Chris did this, Chris did that. And does anyone owe him more than DeAndre Ayton? I mean, listen, DA is awesome. I like him. I'm excited for his career. But I don't think we've ever seen a clearer case of good fortune for a player. Let's let's just take the hypothetical. How's DA look right now if he's been on the Kings the last two years? Oh. <laughs> you know, like like what instead of that. instead of having this, you know, like uh, you know this moldable clay that like Chris Paul gets to work with and shape all season, and now all of a sudden 
I'm listening to the the meanest pundits be like, yeah, I really like DA. Good player. Good player. Like, man, like, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, so it's not like he needed, uh, you know, much more to cement his legacy. I mean, I think he's led the league in assists four times. He's led the league in steals six times. At 36 years old, he led the league in free throw percentage randomly this year. I mean, he's uh, obviously a first, you know, you know, first time Hall of Famer. Um, you know, getting into best point guards in history kind of conversation, and um, getting to this finals is a big part of that. And at this point, with the teams we got coming out of the East, I'd love to see him finish. The take that I'm most ashamed of that I've ever had on this podcast is I scoffed at the idea of taking on that contract in oh, yeah. Chris Paul. Granted, a whole bunch of I things. I told you he'd be good for the Bucks. A whole bunch of things. Number one, the <laughs> pandemic. Number two, um, the absolute, you know, the way that this thing has fallen apart under Mike Boonholzer. Also, who's to say under Boonholzer? You know, I don't. I think Wait, why are we talking about the Bucks again? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is Chris Paul. This is Chris Paul I'm segment. I'm trying to say optimistic. I'm trying to say optimistic. <laughs> Thank you for checking me there. I really needed that. No, but so Chris Paul, um, what I love about this is we get Monty Williams and Chris Paul together, and you see the love. Ten years later, um, a thing that could have happened in New Orleans, those guys going to the finals. Uh, we finally get it. They're both a little older, have gone through the wars, so – Absolutely love this for the Suns. And honestly, if I'm betting today, you know, the Suns are you know the favorites to win this championship right now. I mean, they're the most complete team left. Oh, okay, most complete with a caveat because I'm not going to talk about a certain other team from the Midwest. Um, but, no, I really like the Suns. I like what they're doing r- right now. And Chris Paul, you know, there's there's been – so much made as the rest of his 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 class, his generation were getting their flowers as LeBron was moving up into the MJ territory. He just sat back postseason after postseason, biding his time, and it finally happened. I mean, it's just just everything you could want. And I and I mean, I think another part of this narrative that's really impressive is just like how many other thirty four year olds get traded to Oklahoma City right. and just kind of pack it in. Mm. They're like, I'm rich. I had this great career. Let's just play for a while. You know what I mean? Like, it's all good. Chris Paul, I mean, you got to give it to him. That's a driven motherfucker. Literally led a super mediocre team out, reproofed his own value at 35 years old to even get to a team like the Suns. So, you know, um, give the guy a lot of credit, man. Seriously, that is a fierce, fierce motherfucker for sure. Well, Chris Paul may not be done, but this show is about to wrap up. And, you know, this may be Chris Paul's encore. We don't know. But each and every week, we try to hit you with one last take that we've saved for the entire show in a segment we like to call the Tune-Up Encore. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need y'all to roll. Benny, what do you got? I got to go baseball again because it's too important. Now, there's been a lot made of the sticky substances. We talked last week about Scherzer and Romo kind of getting upset and things like this. And um, But now that a week or two has panned out, offense is up. Mm-hmm. The incidents are down. Seems like people are adjusting. And I dare to say it might be working. Mm-hmm. And I think 
I'm not going to give baseball credit for the way they did it because I still think they needed to be realistic about it and they needed to give these guys a month, two months, three months warning to say, hey, like this is happening. Go to your workout space, figure out how to throw a fastball without this shit because people are getting hurt. And it's then they're they're rolling out of this was awful. Their communication was awful. But what everybody wanted two months ago was offense and baseball to go back up. Everybody sat on these shows talking about making the bases bigger, <laughs> making uh, you know, parks smaller, making like moving the 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 the, the rubber back uh, or forward, you know, like all these weird things that we were trying to do. And it turned out that this uh, sticky substances was a big part of it. And um, it actually seems to be dragging offense up. So I don't want to give him too much credit, but it seems like it's kind of working. Benny, for my encore, I also am going to stick with baseball. And this past week, we celebrated a holiday unlike any other. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Oh, welcome. July 1st. Bobby Bonilla. It's the first of the month. Get up, get up, get up. Paid Bobby Bonilla $1.19 million. And guess what? They're going to do this till 2035. Sure are. But, Benny, I had to pivot this, as I always try to do, tying the sports with the music. Is there any situation in music history... That you that is similar to the Bobby Bonilla payday, where it's like every year just drip, drip, drip. You know, there probably is. There probably is. It just probably isn't public. (laughs) But I would assume there's been some like backdoor meetings of people who um, owed somebody a shit ton of money and worked out something like this. There is something that does exist Mm. in the music industry called a sunset clause. And now say if like a uh, a manager works your album and you have a contract with that manager and you fire that manager, that manager has a right to take a percentage of money as it trails off from that time, mm. hence sunset. Mm. So six months after, you get a little lower percentage, a year after, a little after that year after i i think most of those wrap into album cycles so they're probably done in two years Mm. instead of bobby ponias (laughs) but like i said i could see like a back back room meeting where one of these got worked out for a much longer time sure i was hoping to get a story where like benny's just low-key like i'm the bobby bonilla of music and i'd be like whoa (laughs) (laughs) like yo i think i got out to the forest dog (laughs) Anyway, uh, there's plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune-up podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on all the social platforms at the tune-up HQ. If you want to follow the big man himself, he is at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah. Recommit to kindness, baby. Come on. The show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to the tune-up. <laughs>